It's the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. With the Enforcer. I believe they're called Enforcers, Gordon. I sell women's shoes. And the Stallion. Stallion, baby! I am not what you would call a handsome man. I'll kick you in the nuts and you'll smile at me and like it. All night! Hello everybody and welcome back to another edition of the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. We are your host, he's the Stallion, I am the Enforcer, and today we are joined by a very special guest. You can call him the National Treasury, you can call him Nick Aldis, but whatever you do, call him the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Nick, thank you so much for stopping by the show today, we really appreciate it. No worries, thanks for having me guys. Listen, you're fresh off a uh, title defense against Shane Strickland over the weekend. Shane Strickland is one of the most uh, sought-after, I guess, free agents in the business. How different is it defending the NWA title compared to all the other titles in the world right now? I think that um, being the NWA champion, you know, you... It really, it was all about what we, what we did with it. It was all about how we presented it in the beginning. It's, um, you know, it, it, I don't, we, we pride ourselves on authenticity, but at the same time, like you have to, in this business, you have to portray, uh, you know, a sense of belief before the people can. And, and the only way you can really do that is to authentically believe in it. And I very much believed in the, the credibility and the prestige of the NWA title because, I, you know, immediately saw the, you know, the value and went, well, in sports, you know, you have these iconic prizes, you know, the World Cup, the Stanley Cup, you know, stuff like that. And this is really the last one as far as pro wrestling, because, you know, WWE have changed their, you know, belts design so many times and you know, and, and that's not a criticism of them. It's just stating fact that we was, we sort of stumbled on this great lineage where we could, you know, literally trace back and show, you know, all this footage of these absolute icons of our business with the same championship that I have. And that's an immediate sort of, it's an immediate uh, endorsement, so to speak, because you're, you're sort of carrying on that. You know, everyone can look at it and go, well, I know what that is. You know, that's, that's the world championship. And so, um, and then, you know, obviously through his good timing, it coincided with me sort of really hitting my stride as a performer and as a professional. And, you know, I think people get that and they feel it. And that's really what this business is all about is feeling it. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I grew up, of course, a wrestling fan. I'm 32 years old. I was born in 1986. So I grew up watching, I guess, me too. NWA. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so I grew up watching the end of the NWA, the beginning of the WCW. Were you able to watch the NWA growing up? Not growing up. No, I really wasn't exposed to WCW, um, except for perhaps a small amount as a child, really just through like the action figures and the merchandise and stuff, because I knew there was another wrestling, you know, wrestling company. I knew there was another wrestling show sort of thing, but I, I, that's about as much as I knew. Um, just because in England, like WWF's positioning and branding in the market was so much stronger. Like it wasn't even close. And, um, and that, you know, and, and so for us, it was just sort of, 
the, you know, the, you had to really be a, I feel like you had to be a, a very serious wrestling fan overall. And obviously when I was that young, it, you know, you just don't develop that sort of fandom until you really, you know, are a few years in. So not really. I, I really became familiar with it. Like once I immersed myself in the whole business, like once that sort of, once the penny dropped and I realized like, I want to do this. Like, I don't just want to be a fan of it. I want to do it. That's when I just started consuming everything. Sure. Did you grow up watching uh, WWF a lot back then? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, yeah. Bret Hart and Bulldog were my, were my first real like heroes. And, uh, I liked, I, I was a fan of the ultimate warrior, but like I was still, it, it was, I was still a little young. Like I just kind of remember just being like, wow, the ultimate warrior. But I was, you know, it was, it was Brett, especially who I was a huge fan of. That's fantastic because I'll tell you the one thing that draws the line in the sand between Joe and I is my love for Bret Hart and his love for Shawn Michaels. And through <laughs> probably, I would say maybe 35 to 40 people we've interviewed on this show, I would always ask them, Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels? And uh, I'm team Bret Hart, and it's three to about 30. So if I was to ask you all time, Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels, where do you stand on that? I, I hate to be one of those people that, you know, that doesn't give a definitive answer on it, but there are two different, there, there are two different answers to this, or it comes in two separate parts. Like, if you're asking Nick Aldis, the the te- you know the the kid who grew like the the kid who's just a wrestling fan like just a fan i would say bret hart because he was my hero like and i you know i knew who Shawn michaels was and i thought he was cool do you know what i mean i like you know i thought it was like i i could tell he was good but bret hart was like my hero he was the man you know what i mean that's the way i that's the way i looked at it i was like well he's clearly the best and um so i think you know in that respect that's kind of what the business is supposed to be. Like you're supposed, it's a work, you know, you're supposed to work the people into thinking like you're the best guy, like you're the most important. And that's, and Brett absolutely did that. So as a, as a fan, purely as a fan, I would say Brett, because it works better on me, but as a, as a, uh, you know, as someone in the genre and understanding the art of it. And I do think you can make the distinction between the two. I don't think you have to, you know, only look at things from one perspective or another. Absolutely. But as an industry insider, it's Sean because Sean could do it all and did it better than anyone else. That's a, it's a fair answer. I'm still going to count that as a win for team Brett though. Just so you know, uh, growing up, I know you were, um, very athletic. What made you decide to kind of step into professional wrestling when you did? Well, I had always been, an entertainer as well. I'd always been like entertainment minded, if you like, like the only reason that I did, I mean, not to the only reason, but the, the, the main reason that I tried so hard at sports and, you know, committed so hard to practice and training and stuff was because I wanted to do it on television. You know what I mean? I wanted people to know who I was. Like I wanted to, I, I wanted to be revered, you know? And, um, and it sort of, it dawned on me, when I saw wrestling that I could sort of scratch both of those itches, you know, like it, it, you could be an entertainer and a rock star and a, you know, a sort of larger than life personality and, and, you know, make people, it was, you know, I wanted to make people cheer, make people make noise and make people boo. I wanted to just, I wanted to make people make noise. And then when, you know, then with wrestling, it was just like, 
I immediately understood what it was and like why it worked. And I immediately just said, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to do that. Like, and nothing's going to change my mind. I think it was uh, Taz actually who said, uh, to be a professional wrestler, you have to be a great actor, a great athlete, and a great stuntman. And that's yeah. literally everything you just said rolled all into one. So how did your getting a start in wrestling lead you to uh, sign with TNA or Impact back in 2008? I, got, I was working full-time as a wrestler for Brian Dixon, one of the most successful, well, the most successful British promoter of all time and longest running. Uh, so I was very fortunate to get on that crew because, you know, he was, he was running a lot of shows, you know, I was sort of bet- you know, for a lot of that, for a lot of my first year, I was wrestling like six days a week. So, um, I was, it was my full-time job. I was like fully committed. I wanted to get good at this and I wanted to, you know, just keep progressing and try to get looked at when I could at different places. I started to get to that point where I felt like I was getting there you know i was obviously very very green but i started to feel like as a talent you know and i was like i I was i had a good enough look and i thought i could sort of at least get looked at and then um and then gladiators came along like they they did put some uh casting briefs out and um they put them up to you know they put them around at a few wrestling places and um i actually didn't find out like that but i found out through uh at my I had a, an agent. Well, I, he became my agent when I got this um, audition because I had been cast f- like he had he had put a casting thing out for this like motorcycle stunt show thing where basically you got paid to like for five days to kind of host this thing, but like in character. But just sort of it was like a Mad Max type thing, and you know, I, just, I just sort of wear like this sort of Mad Max kind of stuff and just walk around and you know be like who's next coming into the thunderdome you know it was like a real like uh, like you know theme park like corny stuff but at the time like getting two grand for that when you were making like 40 quid a night on the holiday camps was like yes please i'll take that and um off the back of that he was like hey um you know i have an agency and I specialize mostly in like stuntmen and stuff like that. But every now and then these sort of things come through for guys like you. Do you want me to put you on the books? I said, sure. And then gladiators came back and he, you know, got me an audition and, um, you know, obviously I got, got the gig, which, you know, sort of really life changing at the time. Cause I was 21 and like, you know, and, and the, I, you know, it's funny because it was a short lived show, but it was such a crazy, sort of launching point for me and I and I always saw it like that right away I said this is this is this is gonna be great because I can I can propel myself from this to get noticed in America you know like I immediately sort of looked at it like that and um the uh what I didn't even really think about until it was actually happening was the fact that like I became a celebrity in England sort of overnight like the literally overnight because they announced that they were bringing the show back and kept teasing it, the anticipation for it and stuff like that. And the British tabloids are very much, you know, they really cover like what's going on in television and stuff. And people really sort of, it's almost become, it almost became like an event to find out like who are the new gladiators because the ones from the nineties were so iconic and like such a big part of TV that like the, the buildup and the anticipation to like, who is the cast going to be this time? Like, who are they going to be? What are their names going to be? What are they going to look like? You know, all the rest of it. It became like an event. So they, they, 
they did it all. I think it was May the first, like it was in two thousand eight, and like <clears throat> we had to go um, to these you know shoot locations to sort of you know to do all our promo pictures and all our like green screen stuff and all this you know in the dead of night, like three in the morning. So no one would see us. And we were getting like, you know, it was super secretive about it. And then because literally on one day, like every single news outlet, every magazine, every newspaper, every, you know, TV show, every, every single thing had us all over it. And the ad campaign started because, you know, it was run by B sky B who's, you know, Rupert Murdoch's company like, they don't mess around. Oh, yeah. And it was just like, I didn't, I was just thinking about this would be a good opportunity for me to, get on TV and make some money and then hopefully, you know, help my wrestling career. And I, <laughs> and then overnight became a celebrity and suddenly realized like, wow. <laughs> and, um, no coming I back just, now. Yeah. And I just, and on, you know, I, I, I made, I'm saying it cause it's true, but I made the biggest impression on that show because I was a wrestler. Like I cut, I knew how to talk like, you know, or at least, I mean, I I watch some of it back now, and it's like cringy as hell. But <laughs> I, yeah, but you had at the, the time, yeah. yeah well, I was, position. and well, and compared to, I was just so different to everyone else. Like as far as, I just, I knew that all you had to do was not flub really, and just kind of be be outrageous, and it you know British TV would would lap it up, and they did so. As a result of that, I not only got the most screen time on the actual show, but I also did the most media. And um, so uh, it, it, I think it sort of created a very good shop window uh, for Dixie, you know, and TNA because they were looking very closely at the UK market at that time because they were doing really well over here in, in England. And um, uh, yeah, as a result of that, it just was, you know, the timing was good. Like I've got, I've heard two different versions of how it happened. One is that, uh, Kurt Angle swears up and down that he came over to, to the UK to do some media, uh, turned on his TV in, you know, his hotel and saw me and, and basically called back and said, you've got to see this guy. Like we need to find him. Like he's got to be a wrestler. Okay. Uh, and Dixie's version of it is that, um, FSM magazine in the UK. It's like the, I, I still write a column for him to this day. Uh, they did a big feature on me, um, you know, because of gladiators and everything. And obviously they went like, Oh, you know, he's a wrestler. And like, now he's a, <laughs> now he's a celebrity on television. Um, and that was the first ever issue of the magazine that featured a non WWE guy on the cover. And it was AJ styles. So, Obviously, Dixie was kind of I, looking fairly closely at that. And obviously, as a result, like they all kind of came across me. So it was actually through FSM that they got in touch with me because then like James, the guy who, who was running it at the time, called me and said, hey, uh, Dixie Carr from TNA was asking for your contact information. Do you mind if I give it to her? And I was like, nope. And, um, <laughs> Make the call. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> she emailed me and basically said it was really short. Like it literally was like, Hey Nick, like, uh, are you interested in coming to America and, you know, becoming a, a superstar with TNA wrestling? Like, or something like something to that effect. And I just kind of went like, yes, I am. <laughs> and then Terry Taylor took over from there and sort of handled the contracts and all that stuff. And then, yeah, 
I mean, when you showed up in TNA, I mean, it was, I, I think pound for pound, TNA had probably the best roster um, of professional oh, wrestlers yeah. on Without, the planet. Yeah, at that time, at that time, yes. It wasn't even close. And T- I mean, as fans of wrestling, I mean, you can look back from when TNA started from the quote unquote asylum years until, you know, a couple of years back. And TNA always had such a great roster. You had yourself, the Samoa, you know, Samoa Joe, of course, the AJ Styles, the Christopher Daniels, and the X Division. And then, I mean, right after you came, there was the main event mafia, and you had Hogan and things well, like that. Well, in, in, well, actually, that was before I came, and that was the thing that was so attra- that was the thing that really attracted me to it was because the fact that you had like at the time the roster was a really good balance of like it was like Mick Foley was there, Booker T was there, Scott Steiner, Kevin Nash, Sting, Kurt Angle, you know, and then the and the, and the, the Dudleys were there, and then there was like like Beer Money was super hot act. AJ was everyone knew AJ was the best in the business. Samoa Joe was one of the best in the business, and like was, you know was was a, a very hot sort of free agent, and like you know it was and and was causing probably more more buzz than anyone at that time. And it was like they were all in TNA, and then on top of that, you had all these other talents that were super super talented all the x division guys like you know and it it really was like a who's who just but from you know 10 years later five years later yeah and um yeah no that was um i recognized that right away like i knew from i was fortunate because i had a you know because i was a bigger guy in the uk i had uh a lot of the time when when they would bring over americans like Gangrel or PCO, he came over, uh, you know, and people like that, that I would quite often end up wrestling them because they were all so big, you know. Um, and it was, I just remember the first time I got in there with Gangrel, like he was the first, like, you know, significant sort of star that I had wrestled in a, you know, singles match. And I just remember being like, God, this is so easy. Like, that's how you're supposed to do it. You know, like I just, I, it was, it was such a, you know, it was, and you suddenly realized like, oh, like that's what being good is. You know what I mean? And then right. like when I, and then when I worked with PCO, it was even better. You know, like PCO is, I mean, like, I'm so happy that Carl is like in Ring of Honor now and I see him all the time. And cause I'm just, he, you just couldn't find a, like a, you know, a better human being than him. And he was so gracious, so gracious to me and to Marty and all the other guys that were there and would like work with us so much. And it was, and like, it was, you know, I, I benefit from that. So I knew that the only way I was going to get good was to be around people way better than me. Cause I knew how green I was, you know, and, and honestly, I hadn't had any opportunities to go to WWE at that time. Like they did reach out to me in like a year later, like in 2010. But, um, I just thought to myself at the time, cause a few, a lot of my mates from, you know, were, were getting picked up at the same time and all going to FCW in Tampa. Oh yeah. And okay. I remember like thinking to myself, I, I'm getting, I think this is the better, I think this is a better, way better idea. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, get to, I get to work with Kurt Angle and like Mick Foley and all these guys. And it was kind of like, they were, you know, they were sort of just stuck with each other. And I sort of thought, well, I don't know. I, I, I you know, I just, I didn't say, I didn't think it was better for everyone. I just thought it was better for me. Cause I just thought, well, I, this, this, you know, I, I learned through osmosis and, and, uh, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I would never take that away from my career. Do you know what I mean? Like it was, it was so so valuable. No, because when you look at the, you know, you look at that um, that roster, you feel like the guys at the top of the card, like you said, the Scott Signers, the Booker T's, they'll draw the eyes to the product, and then you have the guys on the middle of the card who are going to benefit from that. So I could absolutely yeah. see why, you know, you have the real, like, the workers, you know, and the guys that could put on the great 15, 20, 25-minute matches, but people are still going to tune in for the Hulk Hogan, so you could kind of piggyback off that notoriety. So in in a perfect world, it made sense. Why do you think TNA was never able to reach that next level? Was it too much too soon for them? Were they trying to be too much WWE? I mean, from somebody who was there, what was kind of that atmosphere like? Um, there's, you know, there are way too many answers to that question. There, there is no, there is no one definitive thing. You know, there's no one definitive reason. It's, it's like it's kind of like whenever they, you know, we go back and drudge up WCW. Everyone wants to say, oh, it's because they paid the talent too much money, or oh, it's because like the management was bad, or oh, it's because Hogan, you know, did this and that. It's not. It's it's a it's a it's always a combination of a, a whole load of things and many of which we're probably not even, we don't even really know the full truth about, you know, um, as for TNA, um, I think they lost, they lost their identity. They lost the trust of the audience. That's my, that's, that's the simplest way I can say it is they, they lost the trust of the audience and I'm, I'm friends with Eric Bischoff today. Um, and we we have addressed this with each other. We've addressed it publicly. And we, you know, but we, like I said, like we we didn't get on very well when he came to TNA because I felt like the way that they came in with the with the whole um, tearing up the format and kind of advertising, you know, certain things, and then basically saying like, no, that show would be that show would suck. Like, you want to see this instead? I I always felt that was just kind of a a, a very bad way to to start because I said you you're kind of insulting the audience like the audience have been watching and following this that's the reason you're here because we've built a big enough audience you know and now you're telling them that what they've been watching they're stupid for watching it and it's kind of like you know people don't like to be told they're stupid <laughs> yeah um and uh you know but that's just my opinion and you know uh, you know eric and i you know we, like we like i said we're we're cool now like we're actually you know i spoke to him a little while while back for a long time he's a great guy and um and i respect a lot of things he's done but for me i always felt like that was the sort of the beginning of uh a period of, you know the, the sort of the the set the, the sort of set the wheels in motion for the identity crisis that tna would have after that because before that, if you think about it, when it come up from like the asylum all the all the way through the impact zone years before before we got to the the you know Hogan and Bischoff and that kind of era, the you know there was a, there was a very clear branding of it. It was like cross the line, you know we're we're the kind of we're the ones that do like the crazier sort of faster, you know a bit more cutting edge sort of wrestling and. We got some wacky storylines. It was, you know, but it was, it was like the six-sided ring, and like there was quite a few clear on-brand sort of messages. You the know, like, next match, you know, a lot. Yeah, of they right. Players. They had right. They had yeah. established. I felt they had established themselves as a good alternative. Like people went, you know, there's they're kind of somewhere between WCW and ECW. They're sort of this like that. You kind of feel like you're getting behind the little guy, but at the same time, you feel like you're watching like a big-time show. You know, and you and people love being on the on a on a wave that's rising. 
you know, that's one of the reasons why we have, we, we've been so fortunate with, with the NWA because we, we started from it with, at such a, such a low point that, you know, people love being on this ride with us because it's just, you know, we just keep getting better and better and leveling up slowly and doing more. And you know what I mean? And it's like, people like to feel that they're on, they're on the way up with something, not on the way down. And with TNA, it was like, once they started going, okay, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to do this, you know? And then it's like, we're going to change what day we're on. We're going to do like, you start kind of giving that vibe off that things aren't going well. And once the audience kind of gets a whiff of like, oh, they're not doing very well. Like they, you know, they're trying to change stuff. Like you're exponentially losing the trust of the audience, you know, and then it just becomes a much too heavy a scrutiny, you know, like this, the every, cause then everyone starts looking at everything you're doing really, really closely. And then it becomes almost like an unwinnable situation. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's tough to follow the bouncing ball back then. And I think what some people say, and I think it's a, a different extent, but right now with the WWE getting a little off topic here, but with the WWE facing the upstart AEW, like, Every week, it seems like the WWE is trying something new to get viewers. Um, and it's like they, they just brought back the Hardys in a tag team match, but three days ago they announced a different match for SmackDown. So I, I see what you're saying, and almost not that they're scrambling, but they're trying to throw a lot of things at the wall and see what sticks. And it makes your audience kind of question if you really know what you're doing. Maybe, yeah. I, I, you know, um there, there does def- there does definitely seem to be some some reaction to the to the um, to the sort of unknown threat, I guess you know that's that's potentially looming on the horizon. Um, but you know, I, I just I'm very careful to sort of comment too much on that, obviously because I have friends, you know, and other people close to me involved in both sides of it, and you know, I'm I'm very much independent of of that. Uh, but it's Absolutely. it's interesting to watch. But I, I do I will say this, um, you know, anything like that can can really actually help, you know, pulsate a kind of surge of uh, of interest in the overall business, you know, from outside. So, you know, hopefully we should all benefit. And I think that's what a lot of wrestling fans need to realize is that you don't have to be on a side. All you have to do is watch for a great professional wrestling oh god if we could if we could eliminate the polarization you know of wrestling fans we would just i i can't stress enough how much bigger and better the business would be if if there wasn't if people were more accepting of the fact that not everybody likes the same flavor of ice cream you know like can you, is it okay if, if cruiserweight, you know, strong style Japanese kind of influenced wrestling is your favorite wrestling? Is it okay that we get a couple of brawls? Do you know what I mean? Or, sure. or does the whole show have to be what you want? Like, <laughs> because I don't know, dude, like when, when, if I go out with my friends to a restaurant and like, one of them's a vegan and it's and there's no vegan options like we're probably going to go to another restaurant you know like it it's it because we're not we're not so quintessentially selfish that we have to go no i want everything that i want 
and anything else that anyone else wants, those people are stupid. Absolutely. You know, Everybody uh, else is wrong, and uh, I'm allowed and to complain about it. Like, oh, you know, fan, like, you know, we, we, get, we get a lot of stuff on our, on our NWA feedback that will, that will sort of chastise WWE, you know, in, like, as, a, as a way to sort of highlight like, what they like about our product. And it's like, just say what you like about us. You know, because we know you're watching WWE, you know, like, otherwise you wouldn't be commenting on what you didn't like about it. So, you know, the, the, the um, it's, it's sort of prevalent in our whole society though, isn't it? You know, like it, nowadays, Everywhere you, look. you ha- to like one, you ca- it's not enough to, to be, to, to like one thing. You have to like one thing and hate the other thing. Right. You, uh, exactly. You have to, you can't just be positive about something. You have to be negative about five other things. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. unfortunate. But when you get back to you, when you left, um, you were with Global Force for a while. You were the Global Force uh, heavyweight champion. But when you left there, um, and not, I mean, a couple of months later, you defeated Tim Storm for the uh, NWA World's Heavyweight title at CZW Cage of Death 19. How in the hell, <laughs> how did you win the title at the Cage of Death? <laughs> I don't know. Beats me. I um. Yeah, I think they. Well, the the the. So we had a we have a relationship with with David Marquez in Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, and his his he's somehow linked with CZW. His business partner, or he's like sort of partners with the guy. Who, I don't know something like that. But that's that's sort of how it came to be, and uh, we. At the time, because we we had we had just we had really started to figure out what we wanted to do with ten pounds of gold, and we started Dave and I, especially Dave Lagana, started really. I hate to use this phrase because it's so overused, but we really started thinking outside the box. Like, what could we do? You know, like that. You know, where could we go that would have some really compelling content of like my whole journey? Because we were getting so much mileage out of the. The, the the stuff that basically documented the travels, you know, documented like the, the dressing rooms and the environments and the different wrestlers we were interacting with and the fans and everything. And, um, and we went and then, you know, Dave was like, I, you know, I think he was like, I've got you booked at CZW cage of death. And I was just like, Oh God, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and it was just like, it'll be great. Like they're going to boo you out of the building and like, we can really highlight like how different you are to them. And like, it's, you know, and, and all I'll say is like, I didn't, I'm not a fan of that wrestling. I'm not, wasn't a fan of that show. Source of things on that show. I hope I never see again. So but, you will not be defending the title in a weed whacker landmine. I know, no, I know, no, highly unlikely. But I will say this: that you know, we, uh, which is a testament to them as well and their branding and and their sort of you know their mark, I suppose, on the business. But people still talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was, it was an interesting. You know, moment. It would have been. It probably would have been. You know, less significant if it had happened like a, a show. You know, like like a championship wrestling from Hollywood or something more more synonymous with sort of the NWA style. True, but I mean that that win was the start of. I mean, so many great things, and I'm glad you brought up ten pounds of gold because if you're not subscribed to the NWA on YouTube, please do. It is 
it it is such a look behind the scenes, but it's such a compelling watch. Um, documented um, recently, you with Dory Funk. I, I saw, you know, that was just so awesome to see you speaking to Dory Funk about the lineage of the title. I mean, what it meant to him, and for him to say what he said to you. That moment must have meant something unbelievable. Yeah, it absolutely did, and and um, Dory's, you know, he's such a great professional, you know, that uh, I, you know, he he has said stuff to me, you know, privately, and and uh, when he was at NWA seventy in Nashville, he gave me a nice gift and stuff like that. So I was I was aware that you know he sort of was you know was a fan of mine and endorsed my my work and in my position, but. I still didn't really know what he would do, you know, with a camera rolling. Like we certainly didn't prep him or do anything ahead of time, you know? And, and, um, so yeah, when he, he, but he, he obviously, you know, he's a, he's a professional, like he knows, you know, he knows how to do it and, and he delivered it in such a nice way. And yeah, it, it, it did. I, I, it was, um, it's up there with, you know, one, one of you know, my favorite moments in, in the business. Yeah. I mean, your defense of the NWA title, I mean, the Aldis Crusade, 20 title defenses in something like two months, even in China, that to me stands to show the resurgence of the uh, quote-unquote 10 pounds of gold, the resurgence of the NWA um, heavyweight title. And it's so – it's great to see as a fan of the NWA growing up how much stock people actually now put in that title again and how – it's almost must-see TV. I mean, when you see that title being defended, of course, we have a big title defense coming up, but your match with Cody Rhodes um, at All-In was a great match, and that 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 event was great, but the two out of three falls at NWA 70, I, and especially to hear Tony Schiavone and Jim Cornette on commentary for that match brought back such mm. a nostalgia, and to me, that reminded me of, you know, I'm not just saying this, the Flair Steamboat two out of three falls match from uh, Clash of the, Sa- the Champions. I mean, that was, uh, as a fan and somebody who respects the history of the sport yourself, to have Tony Schiavone and Jim Cornette call your match a two out of three falls for the NWA title, that must have been, you know, such an amazing experience. Yeah, I, I would point to that match, you know, as the the best, the be- you know, that's 100% my best work you know on every level i mean you, you know i suppose the only thing i wished you know if, if you could if you could put something else into that uh segment you know it would have been a promo like if we could have you know if, if cody and i could have cut promos but obviously it, it you know we we wanted to stay traditional with the presentation and stuff but it's a, such a it, you know to me it was we we told such a beautiful story and it was just to me it was like what i always thought of main event heavyweight title match you know was supposed to be um it had the you know the feeling and it had wrestling it had brawling it had you know crazy moments and like you know even like the stuff with the with the girls and the like the other guys around ringside and all that you know i i wouldn't change any of that like it was just and the table you know and then go it was all it like no at no point did it feel like it, we were just doing spots, you know, like we would, like it, it, you know, you, I felt like it was as well crafted as anything I've ever done for sure. Because it was like, I think you could feel we could in the arena, you know, in the building, we could feel the people kind of going on the ride with us. Like we could, you know, we could feel them like going like we, you know, Cody and I, 
we just have that chemistry. Like, there's just no. I, I know it's such a cliche thing, and it's. And I used to hear other other pros talk about it, and I would think like, "Come on, spill the beans. Like, what is it? You know." But there really is like something you just can't put your finger on. It's just you just like both times I've been in the ring with him, you know, in the bells rung. It's like I didn't have to. There was no. There was no trying. I knew it was going to be good. Like I knew we were going to get him. And, and it's the, that it's just amazing, yeah. The story that it told, like you said, the first fall, and what you know after the figure four, how it went to the second fall. But that kind of storytelling, I don't want to sound like a guy that says like, "Oh, the olden days were better," but there's not as much story in professional wrestling anymore. And for the NWA title to be competed in a match that told such a great story, I think it was such you know an homage to that title and. Looking forward, speaking of the old days, the NWA, uh, upcoming, we are bringing back the Crockett Cup. Um, one of my favorite things, good to go back and watch. April 27th, uh, well, I guess first and foremost, you thought you were going to uh, be taking place, taking part of the Crockett Cup with uh, mm-hmm. Marty, Marty Skrull, but that seems not the case anymore. It looks like, uh, Nick Aldis, you will be defending the title against the villain on uh, April 27th. Yeah. What? What is that about? Well, it's not the first time Marty's gone into business for himself, is it? You know, and uh, and, and after you helped him make weight to, uh, you know, to wrestle exactly, Okada, exactly. There's, you gave him tips on how to gain muscle. Of course, you know, like people have to pay for that, which you can, by the way, superstarbodybook.com. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, we I, I knew that that match was always going to come. Like that was. That was clear from the beginning of my first, the way that we first got me, you know, planted the seed for All In and for me to start was was my involvement at um, Ring of Honor's show at, in New Orleans last year. And the link to that was Marty, you know, because everybody knew we were, we were very close friends and we had, and we came up in the business together. So there was always that. And obviously his association with the Bullet Club and then with Cody and I's rivalry and everything, there was always that that sort of thing in the back of everyone's mind going like, when is Marty going to get his shot? And then, uh, yeah, that was, you know, he obviously has, you know, he did it in his own, you know, undeniable way. And that was, uh, and, you know, I, I, it was a good piece of business. We did... Uh, we did about twenty five grand at the box office that day. Okay, well that's good news. And I mean, like you said, he went into business for himself, and he enlisted the services of uh, your good buddy PCO. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. And, I mean, I'll be tuning in April twenty seventh um, at the uh, NWA Crockett Cup. And the Crockett Cup, I mean, for them to bring in talent from New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor CMLL. It really is a return to glory for the NWA, and I think it's a great time to be a professional wrestling fan. It's gonna, that's going to be that's going to be a really good show. Like I've yeah. just I've got this feeling about the way it's going to be presented, and I'm privy to some information. I can I can't go into too much detail, but we've got an idea for the uh, for like something that we're going to do at that show as far as like the presentation and stuff is concerned. That I. Th- I feel like it's going to be polarizing. I feel like people, some people are going to hate it and dump all over it. But I think some who are into like the kind of like the flavor of ice cream that we're serving are going to really dig it. And, 
that's about as much as I can say right now. But it's something as, that pertains to the sort of visual aspect of this show. But I think it's, um, you know, the tag teams are going to be awesome. Like the Rock and Roll Express are going to be there. Like think about, you know, that we what we wanted to do always from day one was to remind everyone that like, if there's a matchup you want to see, it can happen. Like this idea that like, oh, well, he wrestles for this promotion and this person wrestles for this promotion. So that can't happen and stuff like we're trying to dispel that because I'm the, because, you know, I, I claim to be the real world's champion. And I, and I do that by saying, I will go into any promotion and we can cut a deal and I can work with someone, you know, I'll wrestle someone. And so we, you know, that's the same principle with the Crockett cup. We said, let's get, we don't care if they're our guys, you know, we just want the best guys. Like we want the most interesting, compelling mix of talent to like create a cool show that is different to anything else anyone has seen. Well, you've piqued my interest with the uh, slight teaser that we've talked about for the Crockett Cup. Have they announced any way to watch that yet? Do you know? Is it going to be on Fight TV, I would assume? Yes, it's going to be on Fight TV uh, and probably on Honor Club, too, because it's a co-presentation between Ring of Honor and the NWA. Well, that's good news. Make sure you get your Fight TV subscription. Actually, Honor Club subscription, um, April 27th. Not going to miss it. Um, listen, I also want to uh, talk about you brought it up the superstar body, the book that uh, you had just recently come out with detailing, I mean, a fitness journey, a diet, a lifestyle. Is that something you have made Marty Skrull privy to um, in defense of your upcoming title? I will tell you, I'll tell you someone who did buy the book and I know for, I know for a fact bought the book and it helped him out tremendously was uh, Pete Dunn. Really? There's a bit of interesting information for you. Yeah, I, I, uh, I had seen Pete Dunn and kind of you know, made a little mental note, like, he's good, you know, like, and then I came back to England, because, you know, I came back again uh, about six months later, and I saw him again, and he really bulked up, and I said to um, Andy Quilden and Marty at the time, um, Pete Dunsworth, he's really bulked up, eh, like, he's, he looks, uh, he looks much better than the last time I saw him, and they both started, like, giggling, going, like, okay, oh, whatever, and I was like, what do you mean, and I said, no, I'm, like, I'm serious, and they were like, oh, he was just telling everyone that he bought your book. <laughs> we thought that, like, we thought you were like, you know, gloating kind of thing. I was like, no, I, I didn't know that. And then he said, yeah, he, yeah, he told like people asked him about how you know he bulked up and stuff, and he's like, actually, I bought Nicholas's book. <laughs> so, That's awesome. You gave yourself a plug without even knowing it. It worked. Yeah. Um, where can everybody find the book? Uh, well, superstarbodybook.com if you want a signed copy, because um, I have a bunch in my inventory, so I can sign it and send it to you. Um, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere good books are sold. And while we're uh, plugging merchandise here, make sure to go to prowrestlingtees.com. The National Treasure um, Champion shirt you have is probably my favorite pro wrestling shirt right now. Oh, really? Thank you. It is awesome. Make sure you go to prowrestlingtees.com. Um, type in Nick Aldis. Find the merch on there. It's got some really good stuff. Uh, WrestleCon weekend is coming up. WrestleMania weekend. Will you be appearing at WrestleCon at all? Uh, a WrestleCon on or that weekend that is like twelve shows or twenty shows in three days up here in New York. I've had some. I've 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 had some. Uh, I've had some strong inquiries from some promoters uh, who obviously want title matches. Um, and we're 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 
debating, you know, like we're just, we're just kind of, because obviously uh, Ring of Honor has the big show at the garden. Um, so we're just, uh, we're just sort of assessing um, the possibilities and what's going on. And before we make any sort of concrete commitments. Awesome. Well, Joe and I are going to be there that weekend. So if you do decide, let us know so we can get tickets ahead of time. Right now, we're going to be a Ring of Honor, definitely. But let oh, us know wow. we're going to be that weekend. I'd love to see the NWA World's Heavyweight title uh, defended somewhere. I just I don't think I can resist the idea of walking into Madison Square Garden with 10 pounds of gold. So, I mean, that's I can't picture a better way to spend my weekend. I mean, I'd be uh, the first, you know, I'd be the first man since Harley Race to do that if I was to do that. And I mean, when you talk about lineage of a title, that's the answer to a trivia question at some point. So, well, and speaking of Harley Race, I'll be wrestling at Harley Race's promotion uh, next weekend in uh, in Missouri, just outside St. Louis, and that's his Night of Champions four. And Tommaso Ciampa, the NXT champion, will be there also. That's so. There's wow. going to be an, there might potentially be an interaction between the NWA World's Champion and the NXT Champion. God, it's such a cool time to be a wrestling fan. I mean, it, it is awesome right now. Where can people follow you online on the social media, find out when you're going to be, where you're going to be, and follow that 10 pounds of gold? Uh, on Twitter, at RealNickOldis. That's also, uh, if you search that on uh, Facebook, you can find my page. And then on Instagram, I'm just at NickOldis. At NickOldis. Well, Nick national treasure we thank you so much for your time stopping by the all night long wrestling podcast we wish you nothing but the best of luck and we hope to see you madison square garden uh wrestlemania weekend thanks boys appreciate it take care have a great night all right bye-bye